Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Negotiations now are underway to finish up the appropriation bill so there's no government shutdown. Vaccine mandates are much easier to do at the state level than at the federal level. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. We've seen some damage to the credibility on how poorly the U.S. did predicting that Taliban takeover. The country has moved from a weariness with COVID to a resignation and that somehow we're going to get through it. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As we go back to the future, with inflation now at its highest since the early 80s and COVID cases rising back to the worst levels of the pandemic. What's going on here? And what does it mean for the rest of the Biden economic agenda? We'll ask Congressman Don Beyer, Democrat from Virginia, who chairs the Joint Economic Committee and may have introduced a bill without realizing it that could lead to voting rights legislation. They didn't plan it that way, but we'll talk to him. Later, we'll get analysis from Terry Haynes, founder of Pangea Policy, and the panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. And thanks for joining us on Bloomberg Sound On. Some scary headlines there, right? You hear a guy like Doug Krisner telling you the highest inflation since the early 80s. Even though some worry today's consumer price report would be worse Prices did rise at the fastest clip in four decades. You've got your seven handle, everybody was talking about. 7% for 2021, according to the government this morning, putting more pressure on the Fed to act. How'd you like to be Lael Brainerd getting ready for the testimony tomorrow? But also more pressure on the Biden administration and the Democratic Party as a whole at the start of a midterm election year. That's where we begin with Congressman Don Beyer, Democrat from Virginia, chairs the Joint Economic Committee. He's with us now. Congressman, welcome back to Bloomberg. Thank you very much. It's always good to be on Bloomberg. A pleasure. Did today's consumer price report just make it a lot more difficult to pursue the rest of the Biden economic agenda? Uh, in the short run, it makes it a little more difficult. But there was a lot of good news in the report, too, You know that the rate of increase dropped from uh, October to November, and then again from November to December. Seven weeks of gasoline prices dropping in a row. And it's still the, the 7% unemployment or inflation rate. You know, the worst has been in a long time. The biggest two factors are new car prices and used car prices. Mm. And I think everyone knows that this is largely because of the chip shortage and that dealer lots are empty across the country. Yeah, well, you know a lot about that. You've been in the car business uh, for decades. And if, if supply chains are the issue here, a semiconductor shortage. Uh, do you see this trend finally breaking this year? Yeah, because there are many improvements in the supply chain that have happened already. For example, truck drivers have almost completely recovered their numbers. Warehouse workers are almost back up to 100%. We're emptying the ports. It's not a permanent problem. The supply chain disruptions were caused by the pandemic and lots of small business decisions uh, affected by the pandemic. And now those business decisions are being made differently. They're ordering. They're not depending on just-in-time. 
it's going to be a lot better by the spring and the summer. Wow. Well, listen, if that's the case, Jay Powell is going to look like a really smart guy. And I guess the, the administration, uh, to an extent, will look like it had a better read on this. There are concerns, as you know, Congressman, that this inflation, despite the sort of uh, silver linings you just mentioned in, in today's report, this, you know, highest since 1982 is a heck of a headline. Seven percent is a tough number to have the start of a midterm election year. Yeah, and Joe, what I hope people understand is that seven percent over December 2020. Yes, when we were at the at the peak of um, COVID deaths and COVID hospitalizations, when the vaccines hadn't really just starting to come out, the very first people were getting them. Um, so things were really depressed a year ago. So it's not unusual to think that it's seven percent year over year. Mm-hmm. But if we look at it uh, little by little, we're finding that it's more like three percent. And, and that's where it will be, I think, in the months to come. You told us last month you did not expect to see Build Back Better passed by the end of last year. But you were still optimistic about uh, about the course here. Do you think it'll pass this year or have conditions changed? Do we need to see inflation pull back a little bit for more appetite for more spending? Well, I think inflation will abate and that will help. But I also think that there are many pieces of Build Back Better that have a a middle-term, long-term deflationary impact. If you can bring women back into the workforce, for example, if you can get a a lot more going in terms of productivity, um, those are things that that bring inflation down naturally. And so we probably won't get all of the Build Back Better we presented to the Senate, but we can get big, important pieces of it. Probably the most important piece is uh, the environment, dealing with climate change, Mm -hmm. which we know... uh, when you have 40% of Americans subject to an extreme weather event, uh, a climate change-driven weather event in 2021, that has an impact on inflation. When it blow, blows down entire neighborhoods or burns up uh, entire towns, um, that doesn't make things less expensive. Well, so what are you hearing as chair of the Joint Economic Committee? Is, is the brand Build Back Better, is that comprehensive construct dead? Is it time to start kind of rebuilding individual pieces come back around, for instance, to your point on climate or a standalone on, on paid leave or, or whatever the element might be? Yeah, Joe, Joe I'm, no, I'm no expert on the messaging piece of it. I, I do know that uh, politics is the art of the possible. If we can't get the full $1.7 billion done um, because Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema won't go along with it. Yeah. Well, let's see what they will go along with, because I think there's very much in that bill that both of them appreciate and would like to see in the law. And hopefully, maybe if it's smaller, we also get some Republican votes, too, which we very much like. So do Republicans just have this whole inflation story wrong, and, and Joe Manchin, for, for that matter? This has been framed as the election year issue, the biggest failure of this White House, Congressman. Yeah, I, I think that's well, it's probably... A convenient political issue. I don't think it's accurate or truthful. Um, the, the supply chain disruptions didn't start with Joe Biden as president. And in fact, as we look at the inflation everywhere in the world, all through Europe and China and everywhere else, it's, uh, it's supply chain disruptions um, across the globe, not just in the United States. And let's also remember, you know, the next election for Congress is in November and for the presidency is still almost three years away. That's uh, a week's a long time in politics. I want to ask you about voting rights legislation, Congressman. Uh, There was a big move uh, at the end of last year to go in this direction. The White House certainly is, along with the Democratic leadership on the Hill. And I know there are a few different paths this could take. One of them, though, involves a bill you sponsored, an amendment involving NASA, of all things. 
that a lot of people are talking about suddenly now. Could be a vehicle to insert voting legislation, send it back to the Senate and pass it that way. I'm sure you know a lot more about this than I do. Is this real? Well, I've heard the rumor, too. Uh, nothing would please me more than to have a bill I sponsored be responsible for saving the democracy, but I don't have any such expectations. I know Chuck Schumer in the Senate would really like to get um, Senator Manchin to agree to uh, a voting rights bill b- between now and Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday on Monday. Yeah. I don't know what vehicle they'll use or ha- how they'll do it. The Senate's a mystery to me. Uh, but we have had some good bills come out of the House. But this is a rumor as far as you're concerned as well. Nobody's talked to you about this. No, no, it's, it's just a rumor. I mean, it's a nice rumor, but um, <laughs> we have nothing concrete whatsoever. Can we get Chuck Schumer on the line right now? Like, maybe we can get this done <laughs> right now to get this done today, because that would, to your point, though, it would, you, would be, you would be very pleased to see that happen. Well, yeah, but, uh, but I have no control over it at all. Um, you know, the, the NASA extended use leasing bill, it's a little bill that NASA wanted. It, it's a good thing to do. It should pass regardless. Um, but I don't know what Senator Schumer plans in terms of how he, he hopes to bring it up, or even if he does. He's, he's got to get Joe Manson on board first. And, and we know that's not an easy lift. Well, no, it isn't. With all of that said, do you think this is the right course to pursue voting rights legislation when there's still parts, big parts of the economic agenda that have yet to be complete? Yeah, I do, because if, if I had to choose between voting rights and Build Back Better, Build Back Better certainly has a lot more short-term economic impact, but the voting rights saves the democracy. We want everybody, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever, to believe that the votes are valid and that they're trusted and you can trust whoever's counting them. And uh, I, I would love to, to, to everyone to agree that we want everyone legitimate to vote, no one illegitimate to vote, and that the votes be counted properly. And that's all we're trying to do with this bill. I'd like to ask you about COVID. It's the wild card. It impacts everything we're talking about here, even access to voting, as we learned at the height of the pandemic. I just wonder how worried you are about that wild card with regard to inflation. We, we've seen issues with the labor market. We've seen issues with schools, Virginia under a state of emergency. This is the part we can't predict, Congressman. Yeah, Joe, I'm not an epidemiologist, but the folks I follow most closely, Dr. Chris Murray out at the University of Washington, suggests, predicts that uh, Omicron will peak next week and then will decline precipitously, as it has in South Africa and Israel and others. And then we should be pretty close to herd immunity. You know, something like 80 percent of the people that have Omicron right now are asymptomatic. So, uh, yes, there will be more variants to come, but if people have strong immune systems, um, they won't spread, and, and hopefully uh, we're, we're moving quickly from pandemic to endemic. Sounds like you're not worried uh, about it making prices even higher or shortages even no, worse. No, I, th- I think it will, in fact, move in the opposite direction. God, I hope People will right. go back to work. They'll be there in, in person. They'll be more productive. It, uh, I, th- I, th- I think we're... We're moving to a good place. I'm very optimistic about 2022. Boy, I, it's nice to hear someone say that, Congressman. That we could we could use some optimism. And I will tell you, maybe someday COVID will allow us to actually do this in person. Oh, that would be wonderful. wonderful. Congressman Don Beyer, Democrat from Virginia, chair of the Joint Economic Committee. Keep us posted if you get a phone call on that NASA bill, and we'd love to talk to you again soon. <laughs> I, I, I will. I'll tell my, my kids, too. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, get over that rumor. We should note uh, on the NASA bill 
that I asked the congressman about. Bloomberg is reporting. You can learn more about this at the terminal right now. Maybe the congressman will read this, too, that Majority Leader Chuck Schumer does plan to go for it. Laura Litvin writing that Schumer plans to break a logjam, as I read, on two voting rights bills and begin debate this week using that mechanism. So talk about building the plane in flight here. Despite Congressman Byers' prediction on inflation, which we're going to be hearing a lot about more, a lot more about, I should say, tomorrow, Lael Brainerd's confirmation hearing, of course, happening. You'll be hearing about prices. You'll be hearing about the Fed's mandate. And you'll be hearing that interest rate hikes are coming. There's no way around it. We like the hike. 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 We'll assemble the panel next. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Now, what a read today on the terminal. Look at these headlines. Cars, bacon, men's clothes, main drivers of inflation. Inflation is now hitting the rich. And of course, the big screamer here today, you just heard Doug say it. U.S. inflation rises at the fastest pace since 1982. And so we ask, where were you and what were you listening to the last time inflation was this high? When this song was number one. And I don't think anybody wanted to go back to that. I could be wrong. But the Human League? Let's assemble the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Chansano and Rick Davis with us for the hour. Jeannie, does this uh, bring back some good memories or what? It does bring back some memories. Some good, some bad, Joe. You know how it was in the early 80s. It was a time. I was way too young to be getting in trouble back then. (laughs) But I do remember when that was number one. And when you see a headline like this, 1982, I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? You get your seven handle, fine. People forecasted it. 
We knew it was coming, and it still hit you that way, Jeannie, when you said, wow, we are back to the future. It, it does. It, it, it does hit you when it's described like that as, you know, the highest in four decades. But I think what's incumbent on all of us is to do what Representative Byer just did, quite frankly, which is to try to go below and beyond the headlines. Mm. You know, this wasn't, to your point, unexpected. And there are silver linings in the report. So I think that is the challenge politically that the administration and Democrats at this point face. It's a critical problem. It's got to be addressed. They've got to do it without doing further damage to the economy but they've also got to go below these headlines and let people know we still have the fastest growing economy in the world at this point mm-hmm. coming out of a 100 year pandemic that's a pretty good mark for the administration rick i could have gone with uh, the eye of the tiger uh for from survivor but i i just i went for the i went for the most obvious pick there i guess when you see a headline like 1982, even if it was forecast 24 hours ago or this morning, people were mentioning this. What does that mean politically when perception is all that matters? Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, in politics, perception is the only thing that always matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there's nothing new there. And uh, I do think I, the Tiger, would have been a much better pick. Uh, <laughs> okay. Personally, I'm a Pointer Sisters fan in the <laughs> 1980s. Oh, wow. I hate to give that one away. Love but, this. Uh, Keep going. The reality is that uh, this is this is a drag on the Biden administration. You can see it in the polling numbers. That every survey that's been taken since August of this year. Uh, has indicated a, a, a significant problem for Biden in the way that this administration's handled uh, the uh, the inflation issue, and, and I would actually I was actually a little surprised that Congressman Byer, who's a really astute Paul and incredibly mm. articulate, was kind of poo pooing inflation. Uh, yeah. and uh, you know, like you got to be careful there because voters uh, they don't really care what the real inflation cost is if mm-hmm. if if those things that you described are more expensive than they used to be if it's going to be oh, harder to buy a house or more more expensive to rent one uh then then they want to know why is that different today than it was a year ago well you're and, it's your point too he i mean this is a businessman he knows what's going on in the car business where inflation and and supply chain shortages have been major issues he also knows what it's like to employ a lot of people uh so it, it is interesting rick to hear uh, someone speaks so softly about inflation when it's surging right now. But, you know, of course, we're talking to a congressman as well. And I think complaining about it on the air probably doesn't help his agenda either, does it? No. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to, to see how Democrats unify around this issue. They need a positive message. He obviously gave a much more positive message than I think you probably want to get away with in the public domain right now. Hmm. But but this is going to be what what haunts Everybody running for re-election. By the way, Republicans have this problem, too. They can't just point to Democrats and say, hey, it's all they're doing. Um, yeah. uh, their constituents want to know what they're doing about it. And, and noticeably a lack of any Republican alternative to what the Biden administration is doing on how to tackle inflation. Semantics matter here. Uh, we just heard less than a half hour ago from Brian Deese, who was on this program on Friday, talking about inflation. It was the jobs report that day that brought us together. But he was asked by a reporter about his forecast for inflation to be pulling back, to be easing in the middle of this year. Uh, and and I'm, I'm curious to hear both of you weigh in on, on how he framed his answer. Here's Brian Deese, of course, uh, one of the president's chief economic advisors. If you look at the, 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 uh, the projections by independent forecasters, then you see moderation over the course of 22 and you get back to um, you, you, you get back to levels that are, are closer wow. to pre-pan, uh, uh, pre, uh, pre-pandemic normal. Um, but 
uh, but I think that you know in the in the in the short term in the immediate term, I think there we'll focus on the practical steps that we can take. Um, focus working with Congress, uh, encouraging Congress to take practical steps that would have real concrete impact for those families. So when you're asked, what's your message to families who can't afford to buy stuff today, Jeannie, is that an appropriate answer? I think the answer has to be that you feel their pain. You understand what they're going through. We all go to the grocery store. I had to buy a car recently. It's a horrific experience out there, both supply chain and cost. That said, you've also got to talk about what you're doing. You know, how can an administration fight inflation? Appoint a tough Fed chief. They've Mm -hmm. done that. Mm -hmm. Work on issues like the supply chain. Pass Build Back Better, right? Most importantly, address the pandemic. So there's steps they can take, and they've got to talk about those. Rick, this is obviously for you. As we consider inflation at its highest since 1982, you just can't hide it. All right, Rick and Jeannie will be back. This show is quickly getting to where it needs to be. Coming up, Terry Haynes will talk to us, founder of Pangea Policy. See what kind of memories are coming back in his world. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. Democrats push ahead with voting rights legislation in a rather creative way that may get debate rolling in the Senate without 60 votes. We'll let you know what Congressman Don Beyer told us about this because he factors into it apparently without him even realizing it. Love Washington. That's where we'll start next with Terry Haynes of Pangea Policy. Fascinating conversation uh, with Don Beyer that brings you behind the scenes of this conversation a little bit. We find the headline on the terminal, NASA bill, NASA as in the space agency targeted for voting rights. Brandon Lee writes, House leaders are eyeing a NASA bill as a vehicle to push through voting rights legislation while the Senate prepares for a showdown on debate rules and the filibuster. Is this how this ends with a NASA amendment? They would gut that amendment, add the voting rights legislation, send it back to the Senate. That's the idea. I talked to the man who introduced that NASA amendment, not with this in mind. Congressman Don Beyer, Democrat from Virginia, seemed to have little idea of what I was talking about. Well, I've heard the rumor, too. Uh, nothing would please me more than to have a bill I sponsored be responsible for saving the democracy, but I don't have any such expectations. I know Chuck Schumer in the Senate would really like to get um, Senator Manchin to agree to uh, a voting rights bill b- between now and Martin Luther King. Jr.'s birthday on Monday. Yeah. I don't know what vehicle they'll use or how they'll do it. The Senate's a mystery to me. <laughs> Was he? Did he give me his full answer on that? Let's bring in Terry Haynes, founder of Pangea Policy. Uh, we're walking out hard, Terry. It's great to have you back. I've been looking forward to speaking with you, and I'm sure you heard about this as well. It made the tip sheets this morning, this idea of gutting this NASA amendment, Senate next door. Uh, and maybe prevent uh, maybe get get the debate going without the sixty vote threshold. Did that sound like a complete answer to you? And do you see that actually happening? <laughs> uh, Happy New Year, Joe. Uh, and, and to you. I think there's I think there's very little chance that 
that that maneuver becomes successful. I, really? I will, you know, I could, I could go, I could go on with you for, you know, a long time about, there's an old congressional hand about, uh, how this works. But the bottom line is they don't have the, they don't have the ability, uh, they don't have the votes in order to change it. I mean, after you, after you jump through all the hoops, you still need a, uh, you still need all 50 Democrats plus, uh, vice president in order to do something. And, so far, Mansion Cinema and probably a whole bunch of other people uh, uh, silently really don't want this to happen. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, the you know the, the 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 fallacy here was, and I'll stop with this. I mean, the fallacy here is that you know the party the parties want to vote in particular ways. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Senate is not a party based organization. This is a, this is 100 CEOs. Uh, you know, in a room, uh, and anything that diminishes the power of any one of those CEOs is a bad thing. Uh, Mansion and Cinema are doing the work of, of, for for a lot of other people who would, uh, I think, secretly and not so secretly, uh, not like to uh, not like to blow up uh, the, the the existing filibuster rules. And you know, and anytime you go down a, a rabbit hole of uh, arguing about rules, I think you're you're losing. And uh, <laughs> Um, and clearly, that's I think that's where they are. Well, I mean, this sounds like a speech. we got some oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. false hopes going here. Then uh, Terry, I mean, I I guess I'm just really trying to get my head around uh, the motivation here, and and I haven't had anyone tell me that I'm wrong in in my my very uh, cynical view that that no one necessarily sees this bill passing read the NAACP's reaction to president biden's speech yesterday in atlanta this is almost like build back better all over again uh, we know that joe manchin's not on board but we're going to still keep pushing this president biden's going to the hill tomorrow is this a motivator in a midterm election year is he's trying to light a fire under the base or do we actually think legislation comes out of this well all this is about is uh, this is about two things uh, the first thing it's about is about making, trying to make sure that the, the person or the people whose fault it is not uh, is, are Biden and Schumer to the mm. maximum extent possible. Uh, you know, that, that's what a lot of this maneuvering is about. Schumer can say, look, you know, I tried to thread the needle every which way, and here we are. Uh, Biden, uh, you know, the, the, at the 11th hour and uh, 55th minute, uh, is you know running around uh, telling everybody how important this is in a variety of ways, but fundamentally, uh, you know, the, nothing that has happened over the last couple of weeks has been designed to get more votes. Certainly not uh, the president's speech yesterday. Certainly not anything Schumer's doing. Uh, you know, they're not moving. The, you know, bottom line is they're not moving the needle at all. I'm a, you know, I'm an old basketball player. Emphasis on old. I follow the solar plexus because right, that's how you guard people. Uh, that's the only thing that doesn't move on the player. Yeah. The arms move, the legs move, everything flails around, but the solar plexus here is not moving at all, and uh, and it's probably not going to move. So I think you don't, you know, I, honestly, I don't think you get anything out of this, but at least they can say they did something, and, you know, it's a base-motivating exercise, sure, uh, which they sorely need because you've got a... Uh, you know, you got a couple of polls coming out today saying, uh, you know, uh, Quinnipiac, which is usually you know, seen as being friendly to Democrats, has mm-hmm. has Biden on 35 or 3353 positive negative, and Rasmussen, uh, generally considered to be a more Republican leaning poll, has Biden on 40. Uh, you know, they're they're losing all and negatives across the board on handling of the economy, foreign policy, yeah, COVID, yeah. so on and so forth. You know, they're losing. 
they're losing the centrists they need to, to, to govern and haven't had them for a while. But, uh, you know, this is a base motivating strategy and you know not designed for outreach and winning. Okay, got you. So, Terry Haynes, uh, in our remaining moment then, after that CPI report today, where's the solar plexus on Build Back Better? Was that the nail in the coffin or does it have to come back in a very different form? No, I'm just, you know, you, you, you've done a lot of, uh, you know, outreach here on the uh, – popular music and everything else i'll introduce the princess bride it's only mostly dead uh you know that uh, well done sir. you know the Dem- De- democrats at the end of the day will pass pretty much anything and put the build back better you know sl- slap the uh, logo on it and uh, and get it out i think that'll happen you know but they're not listening eventually i'm, I'm like 60 70 percent i think that does happen but you know they're not listening to mansion they don't they're not interested in in uh, in negotiating with them in part because Manchin wants things like means testing, which are anathema to the progressive base. Uh, you know, I don't think that happens. Uh, you know, inflation to me is uh, from uh, the two immediate impacts. I mean, it doesn't make Build Back Better easier, certainly, right. uh, but it also complicates the whole Fed uh, business because, you know, I don't think Powell's a slam dunk. I don't think Brainerd's a slam dunk. Oh, man. The, he, he, goes, not to, he goes for the newsmaking line the second we're out of time. Terry Haynes, great to speak with you. Founder of Pangea Policy, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As Washington pays respects to the late Harry Reid today, we are reminded this is not the same Senate that he helped to lead. As extreme partisanship is met with a breakdown in decorum, look no further than the latest hearing of the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. We'll talk about this in a minute with the panel. Dr. Anthony Fauci called to testify, among others, about the response to COVID. They do this a lot. And as usual, he sparred at length with Senator Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky. I mean, this has become a a recurring event. Here they are last summer. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied 
before the Congress. Just a taste. I mean, these these have been epic. If you go on social media, you will not have trouble finding them. Uh, and Senator Rand Paul has become rather popular with his supporters for this, who are not fans of Dr. Fauci and vice versa. Fast forward to yesterday. Fauci's had enough with the accusations and insinuations from Senator Rand Paul. And he was ready for him. What happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there and I have life that threats upon my life, harassment of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, that's the way it goes. I can take the hit. Well, it, it, it makes a difference because as some of you may know, just about three or four weeks ago on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C. at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked, the police asked him where he was going, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. And they found in his car an AR-15 and multiple magazines of ammunition because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. It's quite a moment. He went on to hold up color copies of Rand Paul's website in which he's fundraising on this as Fire Fauci with, you know, donate 50, donate 10, whatever here. And it's prompted a lot of questions about, well, just where's the line? That's where we bring in Rick and Jeannie, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Chanzano, Rick Davis. Rick, you know the Senate as well as anybody. Is there a line? That uh, somebody testifying uh, in front of a committee uh, holds up uh, uh, screenshots of a senator raising funds. Uh, yes, that's really raising the bar quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Of course, senators raise money on the issues that they campaign on. And uh, so I, I don't know. This is not a healthy thing for the decorum of the Senate. Um, yeah. uh, Dr. Fauci and... We and missed your first couple of words there, Rick. Forgive me. I just... In terms of, of Rand Paul, uh, in terms of the lawmaker, is is there a line in which, you know, the, where the chair is supposed to stop and say, hey, OK, you're you're actually accusing him of something that's not true? Or is just this the way business is done in Washington? Well, regardless of the, the truth or not, uh, yeah. I, you know, I think it's not the first time they've had that argument in the United States Senate. Um, For sure. And uh, John McCain used to make a, a living out of completely unbraiding witnesses who he felt were lying to him. So, you know, hmm. That, hmm. That, that, that's great theater, frankly. Yeah. That's why you pay your money to get in and see the show. Uh, but the reality is that um, uh, this is nonproductive, right? I mean, like uh, you would think at a time when the country's suffering through a pandemic and we're having the rise in, in, in incidences that we have, that 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 people like Rand Paul and, and Fauci just take a step back. Uh, absolutely, there have been a lot of inappropriate things said on, on behalf of both individuals. Uh, but uh, I do think at this point that the chair uh, and and the leaders in both parties have a requirement to discipline their members. And, and I think in this case, that that applies to uh, President Biden calling Fauci and saying, "Look, you're taking the bait. Why in the world would you get into mm. a shouting match with a guy who's paid to shout?" Mm. Rand Paul uh, claimed that that Dr. Fauci was responsible for the death of four to five million people, which he said was really irresponsible, Genie. Uh, 
I'll ask you the same thing. Does it cross the line? You know, I think as we're sitting here, 750,000 new infections a day, hospitalizations up 33% over last week, 40% up in terms of death. And if anybody has to answer questions, tough questions about the pandemic and how it's going to be addressed, it's Fauci. Mm -hmm. And yet he is there and being forced to answer questions by Rand Paul in this context. It's absolutely unacceptable. So, you know, I think there is blame really falls on the senator at this point. This is irresponsible for a U.S. senator to be asking these kinds of questions at this time. And sure, Fauci doesn't need to respond in the way he did. But, you know, this has been going on for over a year. And the fact is, there have been death threats against his family. There have been calls of violence against him and his family. Mm -hmm. So this should be toned down. It's irresponsible. And, you know, quite frankly, Rand Paul is doing it, and he's right to point it out for fundraising. That's why this is being done. I don't know if this is an appropriate question or not here, Rick. But if you're Joe Biden, and you're having trouble with the politics of COVID— Obviously, he is not going to turn around and fire Anthony Fauci. He would look like he was playing into a lot of politics if that happened. But is it time for a new face to this? Keep Dr. Fauci doing what he's doing, even have him testify, do whatever you want. But is, it, should there be some new blood here for the sake of credibility? If half the country or whatever thinks that Anthony Fauci is the wrong guy in the job. Yeah, I mean, look, that's really a, a, the president will make that call when he feels like whatever job Fauci is doing isn't being affected or isn't, as you describe, you know, being embraced by the people who he needs to influence. I mean, yeah. it's really important that uh, uh, that this happens. I mean, look, uh, Joe Biden, President Biden uh, invested enormously in elevating Fauci after the Trump administration uh, uh, marginalized him. Uh, and 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 by and large, I think you know, as the polling shows, uh, the, a lot of the country supports the science and and backs him. You, you got to look into those polls. I mean, not not everybody's going to uh, like Fauci because it's a partisan issue, right? And right. so somehow uh, you got to pick your friends. And mm-hmm. and Joe Biden's picked Fauci as a friend. And I think he's it's paid off for him. Uh, uh, and and look, I mean, it it really is up to people like Patty Murray, the chairman of the committee, to instill some decorum in these kinds of things. Politics is a blood sport. Nobody should be squeamish over this exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen much, much worse uh, uh, with, with, with extreme consequences involved on both mm. sides. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's not the kind of thing where you would shirk from these kinds of exchanges yeah. if, if you hold a powerful position like Dr. Fauci does. At least there was no caning uh, today uh, on Capitol Hill. I mentioned the late Democratic... Majority leader lying in the rotunda today. Here's the current majority leader, Chuck Schumer. We celebrate Harry Mason Reed's final return to the Capitol because we must. Few have shaped the workings of this building like our dear friend from Nevada. Jeannie, as we have this conversation about decorum and partisanship uh, in the Senate, uh, A progressive Democrat who shall remain nameless said to me today, you know, if Harry Reid were still up there, all this stuff would have gotten done by now. Referring to Build Back Better and and the rest of the Biden agenda. I just wonder what that means for the Democratic Party, having lost a longtime icon here who could have been more effective potentially than the man who has the job now. 
Yeah, and it was Harry Reid was the one who almost single-handedly is responsible for Chuck Schumer having that job right now. So they were very close and remained so till the end. You know, I would disagree slightly with the unnamed progressive Democrat that you spoke <laughs> to. You know, when Harry Reid became majority leader, he had a margin almost as slim as they have today. But the only reason they were able to pass some of Obama's agenda was because between 2009-2010, they had something that has, you know, not been present for much of the modern era, which is 60 members. So, you know, he had the benefit of that. Um, you know, I do think that Chuck Schumer has made some mistakes, but the point that we all have to remember is the numbers matter. If you don't have the numbers, you simply cannot pass an FDR Truman style huge agenda when you have a 50-50 Senate. It simply can't be done. And that's the reality of it. You started the slippery slope on the filibuster, Rick. What's your memory of Harry Reid? You know, Harry Reid's a fighter. I mean, and a lot like Mitch McConnell, a master of the uh, of the Senate rules. Uh, yeah. Frankly, much more adroit at the exercise of power uh, than than I think that Chuck Schumer has been able to show so far. Um, but uh, that being said, I mean, he was a he was a raging partisan, right? I mean, like he <laughs> when deals got done, it was because he was satisfying his interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but literally, he was a fighter. He was a boxer when he was young, and that's right. And this is the one thing he had in common with John McCain. Uh, they uh, they both uh, were pugilists, and uh, and that was one of their great passions together was trying to protect the the, the boxing industry from uh, predators and folks who exploited boxers for their own gain. So uh, he could actually work very well with Republicans from time to time. When you you had an issue that was uh, uh, supported by him, he was your best friend. But when you were on the other side, he was your worst enemy. Rick Davis on Harry Reid and Jeannie Shanzino are Bloomberg Politics contributors. And our signature panel here on Sound On. The fastest hour in politics. It really does go by. Maybe it's my COVID brain or something, but man, this. We'll see you back here tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com.